welcome to Agribusiness Conversations, the podcast with your business in mind. This is Amber Morin, your host, and I am so excited that you could join us for the Easter edition of the Conversations. It is safe to say that we are living in unprecedented times, and that means very unusual stressors. Many families are trying to figure out how to homeschool or go online for school, how to go to the grocery store safely, and how to connect with family virtually. And farm and ranch families across the country are trying to figure out labor issues, supply chain issues, and watching an unpredictable economy and commodities market unfold before their eyes. It's times like these that I seek the wisdom of my friend, Sherry Saylor, a guidance counselor, a farmer, and a calming voice of reason and friendship. (laughs) Sherry, first, thanks so much for joining me this morning on this holy Saturday. I know that you don't have a magic bullet to make all of our stressors go away, but I do know that you have some experience in dealing with stress. Now, one of the first questions out the gate I wanted to ask you was about your Good Friday service just yesterday. Can you share the message that God put upon you guys? Well, thank you, first of all, Amber, for sharing this time with me. It's always a joy to talk with you and and share with your listeners some of the things that we're all going through in this very unprecedented time, uh, something that none of us have been through before. But I've never gone to a Good Friday service virtually. And that was a brand new experience. And my church has uh, jumped on, like so many churches, to YouTube. And uh, we did the Good Friday service yesterday. So the message was really one of hope. First of all, with all the music that was sung. And then our pastor and his real message was about the cross, especially being on Good Friday. And the question he asked those of us on YouTube, he said, what does the cross mean to you? And so it made us all stop and think because the cross is really the place or at the bottom of the cross is where we're on a level playing field. And I think the thing that hit me was that no matter who we are, no matter what our bank account is, no matter what our pedigree is, whatever it is about our lives that we are proud of, At the foot of the cross, we're all the same. We're people in need, in need of a savior, in need of forgiveness. And the great hope that the cross gives to those of us who are are believers, who are Christians, is that, that Christ died for us. But the cross, to me, represents the fact that he can redeem anything in our lives. And of course, as many people have said, Sunday's coming and he doesn't stay on the cross, even though he was buried, we know he rose the third day. So it was a good reminder that the cross signifies redemption. And it was good to really be in my living room, sitting with my husband, watching this, a very intimate, very personal moment. So thanks for asking. Thanks so much for sharing with us this morning. And you are a guidance counselor at Buckeye Elementary. And I know that you give out a lot of stress management advice, but you also have some daily stress management mechanisms that you use. And I was kind of curious, what are some good stress management techniques that you use in your daily life? You have to really do self-care when you're in the job that I'm in as, as a counselor because you are giving out all the time. And so this is sort of a new normal that we're in as counselors and as, as 
caregivers that people are looking to us generally. But the thing that I have found during this time, and really I practice this even when I'm not in the middle of a pandemic, is I start my day, first of all, with coffee. And then with my cup of coffee, I usually am reading some scriptures. I read a devotional from a gal named Ann Voskamp, who's really an awesome writer. She actually happens to be a farmer from, from Canada, and she, she writes very inspirational things. And so I really have to take some time to meditate. So depending on your faith or whatever you believe in, I just definitely believe in that time to quiet yourself before the day begins. And I need a couple of hours to eat, to drink my coffee, to meditate before I jump into the fray of school at, at Buckeye Elementary or whatever I have to do. So I think firstly, that would be the first thing I do for self-care. And then after that, I've really tried to make a schedule for myself. I have some things that I have to do, as we all do, but I try to break up my day in the middle of this situation that we're in now, whether it's physical exercise, I definitely am walking every day, maybe a couple times a day. I'm also doing something mentally to kind of stimulate myself. That's pretty easy in the education world right now to have that thrown at me all the time. But maybe, you know, doing something that I don't normally do, read a new book or something like that. And just emotionally connecting with people with the technology that we have now, it's really important, I think, that we stay in touch. So that's another thing that I really try to do is to very maintain a contact with close friends, family, and then people that might need me in, in some significant way. So I think just scheduling my day, but starting it out on the right foot and then keeping it varied has really given me a, a lot of joy during this time, to be honest. I've really enjoyed some of the time to, to reflect and to think. And I think when you go through a pandemic, it clarifies a lot of things for you. So I think it's given us a chance to really value time with our families, value time with friends, even if it's virtual. You highlighted something I want to touch on in this next question, which, you know, families really are spending a lot more time together. And this is a good thing. I've seen families out riding bikes and taking walks like I've never seen before. But sometimes too much time together, if it's not managed appropriately, can put strain on relationships. So what tips do you have for families to help ensure that there's, you know, healthy respect of boundaries for each other and the relationships during this time? We're not used to being quarantined together. We uh, we say we want more time with our families, but 24-7 can be a little overwhelming and everybody needs their space. So I think it's really critical that families sit down and just really have a family meeting about this with their kids. And I think it's important to set the schedule for your children and for yourselves. And I know we've sent out sort of mock scheduling for our families at our school about how much time they should be on the social media doing their schoolwork virtually, but also how there needs to be breaks. And it may be going outside and doing chalk art or riding their bikes taking a walk in the neighborhood, taking the dog for a walk. If you're out on the farm, of course, it's much easier to do a lot of things outside. But the basic thing is to vary your day. And I think sometimes families need to really have that conversation. I think that's when things build up when you don't talk about it. And I think we just need to go in knowing that there's going to be challenges. You know, even my husband and I, I'm usually gone during the day and 
I've gone to school a few times and I've come home. He says, oh, you're home already? <laughs> He's not used to me coming in. And so we just had to find our new normal too. And, and you know, maybe it's taking a walk by yourself and uh, going and putting your music on that you really like to listen to or reading a book or just getting away. But I think it's good to have the discussion before you know, you get to that boiling point because unfortunately we have heard that there is more domestic violence that occurs during these kinds of times, more abuse. Mm-hmm. And I've even had calls from kids since this pandemic has started and school has been not in session. Kids have called me and told me I'm worried about my dad. He's drinking too much or my parents are fighting or, you know, there's all these things going on too that when you're just confined and people have lost jobs and all these things are bubbling under the surface. So my opinion, the best thing to do is to to sit down, talk about it, make a plan, maybe give a signal. When I need a break, I'm going to raise my right hand and tell you, I just need a break. So uh, I think families can do it. And I think it can be actually fun if they approach it correctly. So uh, that would be my advice. Absolutely. So Sherry, one of the questions that sort of came to my mind as you're talking about this is, you know, do you have a strategy for how families can start the conversation? Like, do you have a a conversation starter that you recommend for families or even kids that say, hey, we need to talk about this? I think maybe just being honest, but I think maybe letting everybody just do a go around. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might be, it might be just Hey, how are you feeling about all this? Letting people just go around in a circle, just like almost like a counseling circle and say, what is, what's your biggest fear right now? What's your biggest joy or happiness out of all this? Maybe you could come up with a set of questions, but, you know, just letting people share their heart feelings. I think so often we don't take time to do that. And in my job, I have learned that that is probably the most important thing. I used to be the counselor who listened, but always listening with an answer ready to be given. And I've really had to learn to listen with my heart and not just my ears. And I think as parents during this time, we're going to have to do the same thing. And so just maybe just opening it up and maybe just by starting with your own fears or your own concerns over the fact that, you know, you're stuck at home (laughs) and you can do that, I think, without upsetting your kids, but just like, Hey, you know, we as adults, we struggle with this too. So let's talk about it. And let's as a family come up with solutions, whether it's simple things like we're going to learn a new board game or we're going to cook a new recipe tonight, or we're going to try to vary a lot of different things to see what we can do and maybe make a list. I have a friend that in the summer, she gets her kids together and they make a list of all the things they want to accomplish in the summer. It might be going to a movie or going to a water park or whatever it is. But you know how so often you can say, I want to do this. I want to do that, but you never get to it. Sometimes if you just write it down, you can do that. And during this pandemic, I think that would be critical too as a family. Write down the things you want to see happen in your family and then start checking off. Nice. No, I think that's great, Sherry. And if parents can really lead by example and open up in that vulnerability and also that solution-oriented mindset, I mean, I think it's just great for kids. It falls right in to attitudes and emotions are really contagious. I think we've all been in those situations where we can just feel the energy in a room and they take work. So what do you suggest for individuals to keep calm and sort of maintain that sense of normalcy when we're really living in, in anything but normal time? 
Well, that's for sure. Well, I think, first of all, you have to acknowledge the fact that you have certain feeling and it's okay to voice those or even to, to think about them, you know, and say, hey, this is really how I'm feeling, but I want to reset myself maybe. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that as you said, attitudes are contagious. And I know if I wake up and I'm in a really bad mood or bad humor or frame of mind, that can infect everyone in our house. So sometimes you just have to be quiet in the morning, like I said, and mm-hmm. reset yourself. But acknowledge the fact that you really do have these feelings and you need to, to deal with them. And then I always think about something I learned in college studies was reality therapy. And it's just what's real and what's not real. What are the things I can control and what are the things I cannot control? And really focus on those things that I have control over. And I think that translates to your family as well. And I think sometimes it it helps as parents when you see your kids struggling with their own emotions is to acknowledge that. Hey, you know, I can see you're frustrated. I know you miss your teacher. I know you miss your friends. Let's talk about that. And let's think how we can manage that a little better. And maybe we can set up a Zoom call with your friends today. And, you know, this is something I know my, I learned this from my own daughter who's doing that with her junior high kiddos who are really missing their friends. They set up every day a time to call a friend. It may be that simple, but I think you just have to acknowledge it and it's real and then deal with it and try to come up with a solution. Yes. And Sherry, you're going to laugh. I was never an oversharer as a child. So something that I had to learn sort of in my, you know, early adulthood was writing myself permission slips to be able to talk about feelings. And so I would literally say, Amber, you have permission to talk to your family about this or talk to a friend about this, because I just always felt like I couldn't, or, you know, it was sort of a self-protection mechanism, but maybe that will help somebody else out there. I love what you said there about writing yourself a permission slip. I think writing is a good thing. I've had children write notes to me that they could not speak. It was too Mm. personal, but they could write their feelings. And I've encouraged kids when they have issues, even with their families at home. And I'll say to them, why don't you talk to your mom? Oh, I can't talk to her. I said, why don't you write her a letter? And they lay it on her pillow or paste it to her mirror and they can actually write their feelings. So I think that's really a a great tool to write and to journal. And journaling is another great thing I have kids do. And I think adults, they need to do it as well. And it really helps. (laughs) So Sherry, one of the benefits that obviously farm and ranch kids have, and you kind of touched on it, was the outdoors at their disposal. But talking inner city kids or you just urban kids and farm kids, you know, why is it so important to get outdoors and really stay active during this time? I have read through the years through research that whether it's stress or anger, any strong emotion, there's something cathartic about physical exercise and and actually nature. If you combine the two, I think it's even more wonderful and those endorphins are released when you get outside. I know for me, just getting out, walking around the alfalfa field or I'll walk at the Buckeye track or wherever it is, just that energy that you get from breathing fresh air and looking at the sky. And I think You know, kids are no different. We have a little saying at our school that breaks are better. And there are times kids just need a physical break. They've actually done research to prove this. And they actually do better academically in school without just being them cooped up in a classroom all day. And we're the same way as human beings. And so I think that's why it's so critical that 
kids have free play, that adults get to go outside and play, that you play together as a family. I know we have really enjoyed that during this pandemic. We've, we don't stay in the house. Um, mm-hmm. We just stay in the back, play baseball, or we do Frisbee or a multiple of little games that we've come up with. And the kids have come up with most of them. And I think it's just creative and I think it's healthy. And I think it's just great for them to have physical exercise. And, and I think it's important for all of us to just sort of get in touch with the world outside of those four walls that we've been quarantined in. And whether you're in a, you know, an inner city, uh, there's places you can maybe walk out just in your neighborhood. I've been reading about uh, how some of the trails are getting so crowded and it's really not socially distant anymore. And so someone suggested, why don't you just walk in your neighborhood? And um, that's important. Just yeah, you might talk six feet away from one of your neighbors across the street that you didn't know was there. So I just think it's really healthy mentally and Mm -hmm. physically. And it's been proven by research to do the body good, to get out and get some fresh air and also get some great exercise at the same time. Yes, absolutely. Now, you know, the Easter holiday is upon us. Many of us are connecting virtually with our church families and our families. You touched base on YouTube, but what are some other ways that people are staying connected that you've seen and why is connection so important to our mental and emotional health, Sherry? Well, we are built for relationship. We are not built to be islands living alone. And that's number one. And I think that's just the way God created us. And so it's incredibly important that we find ways to connect with each other. And I've been reading about and thinking about Easter and how families are being so creative and how they connected. I know uh, families are setting up dinners by Zoom. And I heard about another guy that's cooking all his meals and going to leave a meal out in front of each of their family members' homes that they used to gather together with. We mentioned, of course, the virtual church services that are going on. And I also know a lot of kids who look forward to their little Easter egg hunts. Families are doing them anyway. I read about some family that's doing them inside and outside, more eggs, just making it more fun, maybe like a scavenger hunt, you Mm -hmm. know, thinking outside the box. But I do think traditions and routines are important, even at holidays. And, And even though we can't do exactly what we've always done in the past, because this is a first for, I think, most of us not to be able to do our traditional Easter. We can come up with creative ways within our homes. And because of the technology that we've been given, we can certainly utilize that. So I think there's ways to do it. And we just have to be creative and think about ways to make it special for our families. Yes. And I just think one of the things that I'm very grateful for at this time is that the pandemic really has showed up during this decade when we do have the ability to connect the way that we can. It wasn't that long ago that Zoom Skype did not exist. And so there was not that ability to connect virtually. I was just reading about the gyms, you know, where everybody goes to work out and and how everything is can be done online now. And a lot of it's free. The cooking shows, the, uh, you know, travel logs, learning a new language, listening to a concert online and, you know, of course, movies and books. And we are so blessed to live in this age where we can access 
just about anything that we want online. And that certainly breaks up the day as well. And, and I think also builds connection mm-hmm. because we can do that and then share with somebody else and talk about it. And it's just really a pretty amazing thing that we are in this era of, of Zoom and Google Hangout, <laughs> words that a few years ago were not in my vocabulary, but so thankful that we have them now. There are layers of stress. There's worries about health. There's worries about the economy. There's job losses. And with those layers come those stresses. And everyone carries their stress differently. But as family members and friends, what are signs that we need to look out for and the people that we love just in case we might need to ask them, are you okay? How's it going? Right. I think that's critical right now. I think in our society, we've really confused mental health with mental illness. And I think you said it well in the fact that every one of us needs to be caretaking of our mental health. And just generally, we're all under stress that we've never been under before. And in the farm community, you know, we're experiencing stress of low commodity prices, overregulation, tariff issues. And now the pandemic, which has thrown the supply chain all out of whack and people are dumping milk and people are having to disc up vegetables just till everything gets sorted out again. And it, I mean, you talk about big stress and yet all the while, and this is farm and non-farm bills are coming due. Things are, are still breathing down your neck that way. And so I think what people have to do is just be very, very in touch with each other. Mm-hmm. And if you notice a change in behavior, like people that say things like, you know, gosh, you know, I'd be, I'm worth more dead than alive. You'd be better off if I wasn't here or man, I don't see any way out of this thing. I don't see any, any hope or that constant, you know, negativity. They may verbalize it, but again, they may not. And you may just notice them kind of just withdrawing. I think any change you need to be aware of. And I think what you said was critical and that's checking in with people. Hey, how are you? Are you sure you're okay? You know, we can call somebody to talk. Maybe I feel the need to go with you and we can talk together if it's a family member. So I think you have to watch. Maybe they quit eating. Maybe they're not sleeping. Maybe they're just cycling down and and not interacting anymore. Not interested in doing anything with the family. Just huge changes like that. And they can be subtle, but then they can be big. I just think we need to be aware that there's a lot going on here for all of us. And if you're going through a financial stress along with this quarantine stress, it can be pretty, pretty overwhelming. I've talked to farmers who feel like I'm a failure. I I didn't see this coming. I, I, I haven't been able to manage this. And they can be working 16 hours a day and nothing changes. And so you really have to be in touch with each other. And, and there are people there to help you. And we have wonderful resources to help people, but they need to know it. There's no stigma involved with reaching out and asking for help. And I think that's critical too, to giving people support and knowing that you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. Um have serious mental issues. I'm not discounting that, but I'm talking about there's this mental health issue where you're just under huge stress. You need someone to talk to, someone to help you manage that. 
Yes. What stress can do to the body and the mind. The research behind that is just, I mean, incredible. And if people are aware of that, I think that stigma can kind of at least help be eliminated. It's been a slow process, but I'm so glad that we're having these types of conversations in farm and ranch communities because it's never been easy in farm and ranch individuals lives so i'm so grateful that these types of conversations are now sort of becoming the new norm so with that being said sherry i know not everyone feels safe or comfortable talking to their family or friends because they do put a lot of pressure on themselves to sort of be the breadwinner be the one that's successful right so What other resources do you know of or do you have that are available either online or a phone number that people can call just to talk and not have any stigma around it at all and they can do it in the privacy of their own time out on the farm or ranch somewhere? What do you recommend? There are a multitude of sites that you can go to. I found one that I've really liked. It's called ArizonaTogether.org. And if you scroll down, you get to the mental health part of it, but it's got a multitude of resources and places that you can call just to talk to somebody. There's things online. If you just Google, talk to someone and they'll have like a text number talk and it'll connect you with a therapist. And even churches, even though they're virtual right now, have folks that you can talk to, therapists that they have hired, that you can meet with them uh, privately. And so I think there are resources out there. Mm -hmm. And I think if you just go online and Google those, those are people you can talk to that don't know you at all. They don't have any idea about who you are. And yet you can just really unload on them and just let them listen. And sometimes it's just somebody listening that Mm -hmm. helps you kind of clarify what's real and what's not real, what you can control, what you can't control. And then if they feel they can refer you to something um, more intense if you need that further level of care. Anyway, ArizonaTogether.org is one of them. And like I said, you can Google need to talk to someone. I did that just the other day. And there were a multitude of resources that came up where you can text and just talk to somebody. So Sherry, what are three simple things that people can implement today to help reduce their stress? Because I think we can all admit that our stress levels are elevated. I read a study last night from Purdue University that said, thanks to the virus, over 70% of farmers and ranchers are concerned about these issues as it relates to their livelihood. So what are three ways that we can just help reduce our own stress? Well, first of all, something that I've learned the last few years is just start out by being grateful. I challenge my own family to write down three things every day that you're just grateful for. There's something about having an attitude of gratitude that changes your focus of the day. And we can all find something to be grateful for. So I think that's, first of all, just start that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think secondly, for me, it's just living a life of balance because we're made up of mental, physical, social, and emotional and spiritual facets of our life. And if one of those is off, we're going to be off. So I just have to check myself every day. Am I balanced? Am I physically active, mentally active, emotionally in connection with my friends and family? 
and spiritually in connection with my faith or with nature or with wherever I want to be that way. So that's the second thing, gratefulness, being in balance. And then thirdly, I would say looking outside yourself for someone who might need help. Connect with somebody outside yourself. Maybe it's your food bank. Maybe it's uh, calling somebody on the phone that uh, you haven't talked to for a while. There's maybe some elderly people in your life that you need to connect with. I just think there's something about getting out of yourself and reaching out to someone else that helps you be more mentally healthy. And so those are the three things that that I'm trying to practice anyway during this time and, and really hopefully every day of my life. And I think our society has proven as a whole that we can actually come together and do something that can change or flatten the curve or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And I think when you think about and what I've tried to do with kids and even in my own life is remind myself that, you know, 80 to 90 percent of the people that get this virus survive and are fine. And some don't even know they've ever had it. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to, you know, keep things in balance and know that great people are working on this great people are coming up with solutions and thank goodness for science and for the wonderful things that they are doing right now to uh, keep us safe and safer than we've ever been and we just need to remember that as well to know that we will get through this we will learn a lot I think anytime you go through what I consider a defining moment, and this I think is one of those defining moments, I, you know, 9-11 was a defining moment. You know, when I was a kid, John F. Kennedy being shot was a defining moment. Neil Armstrong walking on the moon was a defining moment. This is a defining moment for a lot of people. And I think it, it will clarify things for us, but also give us hope because we are getting through it and we're doing it you know, relatively well. And I think it's really caused us to start taking care of each other a little better, being more health conscious, maybe about our own hygiene. And I think there's going to be some things that really are good that come out of this. So we're going to look for that silver lining, more time with our families, more time to value being with friends and, um, and just things that we'll learn about health that I think will help us in the days to come. In the long run. Absolutely. All right, Sherry. So sort of a wrap up question with everything that we've touched base on today. If there's one message that you would like the audience to sort of walk away from our conversation with, what would it be? I think the basic message is that we will get through this. And as I said, we're going to be, I think, better people for it. You know, God's got each one of us in his arms and he will give us the spiritual strength to walk this this journey. And because he's put in us this need for connection, I think we've learned that even more through this. And I think there's nothing bad about that. I think the fact that we've come to value the most important things in life through this pandemic, I think is nothing but wonderful. And I would just say in conclusion that continue to walk your walk, talk your talk every day, be grateful, be balanced, and reach out to whoever comes in your path who might need help today. I am so excited to share your guidance and advice with my audience. And I just really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you, Amber. It's always a pleasure to be with you as well and wishing everybody to be well, to stay healthy and happy Easter. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Agribusiness Conversations. I hope you all have a very blessed week ahead. Thank you.